Fountain Pen and Stationery, Season 4, Episode 7. This is your host, Collins. And this is your other host, Frank. And today we have a special episode today. Uh, We're going to be interviewing someone. Uh, Your name is John Anderson, right? That is correct. And you are, uh, you've been posting these great images on Instagram under revolving pens. Yeah, that's my Instagram handle. Yeah. Uh, And so John reached out to us. uh, And John, you have some extensive, extensive experience uh, with Urushi pens, which is a topic that Frank and I, Frank's dabbled in slightly, but this is something where uh, as you reached, when you reached out to us via email, um, that there's a lot of basic level of knowledge that you can probably cue us in on. So, and the knowledge okay, yeah. and also collections and histories too. So, yeah, yeah, it's, I'm very happy that you reached out for, uh, for uh, try to let us know a little bit more in regards to this hobby, especially with Urushi. As you can say, there's there's a little bit of um, there's definitely more we can learn from this. So, I'm very interested. Mm-hmm, definitely. And uh, there's also, of course, the uh, the documentation on Urushi is not, I would say, very widespread in a sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah, a good for start. sure. There's um, there's a lot, and I see a lot of uh, increasing interest in the pen community in Urushi pens. So Urushi and, and Makie pens. So yeah, it'd be it should be a cool discussion. Yeah. Uh, so, um, just, you know, let's just get things started. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, how did you, how did you first start this journey with just pens and then also Arushi pens? Yeah, for sure. Um, my first exposure to fountain pens was we had them in the house when mm-hmm. I was a kid. They, they were in drawers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, uh, Parker 75, a, a brown mm-hmm. one. They have a, an aluminum body. Anyway, I put India ink in it. Oh, mm. boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. <laughs> was um, it your so, uh, uh, parents' collections or was it? <laughs> yeah, it was probably my mom or my dad's, probably my mom's pen because my dad had a Schaefer pen for men. Schaefer pen know. for men. Yep, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Interesting. Okay. It was a snorkel filler, and it had an extra fine nib. It's one with the inlay nib, so it looks like a diamond shape. Okay. Um, anyway, it's from the 60s. It was a cool pen. Yeah. I'm not sure he ever used it, probably because he bought an extra fine. I mean, it was a needle point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the, those those require maintenance, right? So I had right. it resacked, and then eventually I sold it because I do not could not use that extra fine. Mm-hmm. So I sold my dad's pen, um, <laughs> and then uh, luckily we had another pen in the house from a great aunt. It was a Parker Fifty One. Okay. So a relatively early one, uh, vac filler, uh, blue diamond clip kind of thing, and it is fantastic writer. And that was like, oh, this is cool. And this is probably nineteen ninety five when I came across that pen. Okay. Okay. So this is when ballpoint kind of already took over, in a sense. Oh, <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, pen 
collectors, pen nerds, they were out there, but I mean, this is, you had to know somebody or go through a store or something. I mean, there in the, in the 90s, there was just, well, we didn't have podcasts. <laughs> no podcasts. <laughs> and, yeah, right. And, and pen, even pen shows, um, mm-hmm. pen shows that existed back then. Uh, I never went to them, but, you know, they were very vintage focused. Even today, right. a lot of the shows are vintage focused. Yeah. Like what, what does vintage show. mean? Question mark. I mean, uh, pre-1970, let's just say, right? I would say when everything is so, urbanized and uh, latex sack. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. not everyone, but yeah, it's pretty. So that was the, that was the beginning. And I bought my first pen for myself in 1996. I bought uh, a Waterman preface, I think even preface two. I forget what they call it exactly. I still have it. It's a beautiful pen. It's a little bit slender, but it has a, a lacquered body that's really attractive. Kind of a mottled blue from a store in Chicago that doesn't exist anymore. Ah. B. Collins, they called it. So. B. Collins. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, Interesting. Well, you know, <laughs> I appreciate the store. I'm sad that it's gone. Sad to hear that yeah. it's gone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's cool. there, there used to be a couple more pen stores around here too, and they, they all closed during the like 2000s, like yeah. early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. So there. That's the beginning. All right. So I so, first came across an, an Arushi pen much later, probably in 19, uh, no, not 19, uh, probably 2005. Okay. 2005. So it's like a 10 year gap between the uh, first collections, first official collections, and uh, when you bump into Arushi pens. That's right. So, so what introduced you to it? Like, how was it at the so pen show? To... Was it. Mm. No, I was at a pen store. So I, for pens at least, I was fortunate that I moved to Houston. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in Houston, there's, there's a store called Drum Cools. It's been there for decades. It's still they here, have a lot right? of, Okay. Yep. It's I so-called my, uh, my pen store. <laughs> <laughs> I spend a lot of time there. Um, and I've been going there, you know, since about 2004. So there was a, I don't remember, some kind of pen event. Maybe they had the pen or the nib meister that they used at that time in the store. And it, people kind of came for that event. Uh, there were a bunch of events there, but at that particular event, I got to see a Nakaya pen. Oh, okay. And you know, it's, they're basically uh, platinum nib and feeds. And um, a guy there re- just recommended, it's like, these are good writers, you know? Mm-hmm. And the finish and the finish seemed cool, so I figured out how to order one of those pens from Japan. It's oh, a little directly. bit easier now, but um, ordering it directly, yeah, in two thousand five. So that was my first Arushi pen. It was a long cigar from Nakaya. Okay. Of All course, right. it's a Nakaya. Of course, it's a Nakaya <laughs> pen. And well, the one actually, stick out. no, Nakaya was not very. It wasn't certainly known in USA that much, right? Yeah. That is, I think. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, it was certainly other, like, both Sailor and Pilot that definitely has a bigger presence in terms of uh, Urushi pens. 
Uh, interesting. Yeah, okay. and back then, Sailor, Sailor didn't make so much in Arushi and Makie. Um, mm -hmm. They've only stepped that up fairly recently. Uh, back oh, then, really? they're, uh, yeah, and certainly not for export, or not much for export. Some of the older Sailor stuff's not that interesting. <laughs> I think I saw there. There's quite a few, like every decade or every five. I know that's Pilot. Pilot is the one that has every five years and every decade special editions. And now I talk about, yeah, I don't remember that many Sailor older anniversary editions, too. There's some, um, but lately, lately, uh, their uh, Machia work, especially, is getting pretty good. <laughs> But Paul recognized there's a uh, bigger market to tap too. I think so, right? Um, they wouldn't be making it if there wasn't. I mean, the editions aren't huge. We could talk about more about it later. Right, I've got, right. I've, I've got several of them, but they do some proper, what I call proper limited editions. So, you know, Namiki will do 100 pence <laughs> or, or whatever, but Sailor would do 33. Mm. So... Right, right, right. I saw on some of your Instagrams and say this pen's only ex extremely limited, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. So, so now that you've you've bought your first Urushi fountain pen, bringing that to today, do you know about how many you have now? Just Urushi and Makie pens. Yeah, just Urushi and Makie pens. I'm not totally sure. I, I do keep an inventory, mm -hmm. um, but I know there's over a hundred. Yeah, because oh, wow. you have okay. so many beautiful photos on your Instagram feed. Yeah, and that's a small fraction of the collection. Mm -hmm. So I'll post uh, macro photography is kind of a hobby. So I'll take a picture of the pen, like a focus stack of the whole pen, but then show details. And I, I could take like a whole week to show one pen, and it, it's probably really boring for a lot of people. <laughs> but um, it's my Instagram feed, so that's yeah, you know, that's the way that's the way it is. Yeah, no, right. And you really show the depth and detail work, like the one you just posted today. Um, like you can really see the layering of like the symbols on the pen. Yeah, that's actually a really special pen, um, and I wanted to bring that up, maybe bring up that pen to you, but what it's associated to it. Uh, so that pen is sort of life as an Aboya, and um, a large size Hyoga. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but anyway, uh, started life mm -hmm. as a black ebonite pen, and I sent it to an Arushi artist in Japan. Okay, and, custom. And, you said for a custom job, basically. Mm -hmm. wow. So it's a it's a piece unique, as they as they say. Um, and the design I, I uh, conceptualized, but Yukari uh, brought it to life. And it's, I was commissioned to celebrate my 20 years of Eido. Oh, we need to talk. Uh, you, yeah, you two <laughs> have a lot to talk about. <laughs> and it, it coincidentally, uh, I ordered it last summer, I'm sure, or last spring. Uh, but it co coincidentally arrived just prior to me passing my Kyoshi exam. Oh. So I didn't even open it until I passed. Wow. So this marks a really special occasion. Yeah. So it has the common of our style on the pen. Ah, that's the, the oh, symbol there. Mm -hmm. So the, the common was the directive along with, um, you know, make it elegant. Uh, and and something uh, 
the bushi would would um, enjoy. So it had to be deceptively simple. What, uh, if you don't mind my asking, what uh, style do you practice, Yaido? It's called Muso Jikiden Eishin Ryu. Okay, okay, I think I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's one of the, uh, there's a lot of branches, but uh, I practice the mainline branch. It's, it's called Sadokai. Any, anyway, <laughs> this is not pens. Yes, uh, this is just for it, myself to, to, to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard on a, uh, maybe a recent podcast that you practiced at one time. Yeah, not relevant, but I uh, I practice uh, Suyoryu uh, Yai for a while. Yeah, yeah, right on. Um, I know one Waza from that because it's part of our, uh, a set that we do called Toho. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Now we've lost. We've lost. <laughs> All your listeners have now tuned out. Uh, every 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 niche hobby can lead to another niche hobby <laughs> but going yeah. back to um uh, urushi pens um be, i mean since you have collected well potentially well over 100 of these uh what what has really caught your eye about this particular style of pen yeah so originally it was just unique i mean the first Nakaya I saw was a, of course, a, just a plain Tominary pen, so-called plain. Um, I mean, to make those well, you have to have some skill, but it was just unusual and beautiful. I'd never seen anything mm -hmm. like it. I mean, you see a lot of acrylics and ebonite and celluloid and metal and who's he, what's it's, but what was this weird <laughs> stuff that, that had this strange color and this luster, never seen anything like it. And, and the, you know, a Nakaya being a handmade pen, it has a different feel, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the nib personalization was just incredible, even at long distance with a form, a paper form that I scanned and sent to them, you know, <laughs> in those days. Right. And I think, the, well, I mean, even nowadays, I don't think it changed much. It's still like an email. No, it hasn't changed. It's, <laughs> it really it's, hasn't it's just changed. just by email. <laughs> yeah, it's just an email now. <laughs> Well, look, Nakaya is really old Japanese people. What, how, how much has it going to change in 15 years? I'm like, not, nothing, I, right? I want to bet that when the email arrives at their headquarters, it gets printed to a paper and then processed <laughs> by paper. But, you know, um, it, it, look, if I had gotten that pen and it had just been pretty and didn't write well, I might not have let it anywhere. Mm. But it was perfect for me. And it also looked awesome. And it was completely unlike anything else I had. And that, that pretty much sank the ship, you know. <laughs> okay. You know, about, two, about 2012, I'd say, 2013, I, I started collecting almost exclusively Urushi and Makie pens and got rid of some other parts of my collection. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, but to kind of expand on what is attractive about it, uh, you know, there's centuries of history of Urushi, so you can learn about that. There's all the myriad designs, many of which have themes I, I know nothing about, so there's something to research. Often not fruitfully, but <laughs> you could try. And then once you learn about how they're made, it becomes like astonishing, right? Mm. Like the, 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 the dedication and skill that's involved, not just in the artist. I mean, there's the guy who makes the brushes. There's the guy who collects the Arushi or oh, guy or gal, wow. right? Yeah. Um, it's, they're all like have a level of expertise in something 
beyond what you can it almost possibly imagine, right? So it's just, uh, well, I'll use the word incredible again. To me, it's incredible. And it's not just pens. So I also collect some other Arushi and Maki items. So Natsume, like tea caddies. Like Heather uh, Moore lacquerwares. Mm-hmm. And those are, compared to pens, they're a tremendous value for high-level artwork. <laughs> um, and then also uh, uh, koshira, so like the clothing of Japanese swords. So okay. much, much less, much smaller collection in that because they're they're sort of big, right? <laughs> kind of a lot to keep around, but I've got some yeah. good pieces. Okay. So, yeah. Do you ever post those on your Instagrams regards to the, uh, I think I saw sometimes, a tea caddy, right? Just yeah, sometimes I post, post tea caddies, but I try not to burden the pen people with those. <laughs> okay. I don't think they're interested. <laughs> I think... I think to some degrees, most people appreciate the amount of beauty that's in the finishes and the uh, the arts in it, though. So I don't think people will mind you posting those. Well, I've got some more to post, so yeah. we'll see. Well, yeah, out of a hundred more bands there, there's plenty of material to go from. Yeah, and unfortunately growing, so. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, so I guess the uh, next question is uh, for out of all the base material on the pens, there are, say, there are some made off of wood, ebonite, plastic, some, like, I think some newer ones are from plastic, and sometimes metals. Um, do you think there's a difference of how the pen feels and uh, how the finish is finalized based on the pen's materials or certain ones more, say, durables in terms of daily use and um, or longevity or in terms of anything ever run into issues prior previously for Rushi finishes yeah I think so from a high level from you know 30,000 feet mm -hmm. the Arushi and Maki artwork on pens is new so the jury's out on whether any Rushin Maki artwork on any pen material is has any longevity. Hmm. Okay. And you know, we have to look at it in, in that sense on the scale of centuries, unfortunately. So, you know, there are artifacts in Japan and China and elsewhere in Asia, uh Arushi and um decorative, like say not always Maki per se, but Decorative, decorative Arushi items that are centuries old or just dug up out of the ground and they're totally fine. What, what's usually fine though is the Arushi itself. And if anything's damaged on the object, it's the substrate. Right? Right. And so and pro before the Industrial Revolution, there were always natural materials. Mm -hmm. And the Arushi would actually protect the natural material. <laughs> right? Right, right. Okay, so then we come along to the modern era, and then uh, Namiki wants to do Arushi on pens, and why exactly? I, I don't know. Um, maybe some debate about that. Maybe they thought it would sell well in the, and especially sell well uh, in the foreign market. And uh, they had to figure out how to put Arushi on ebonite because that's what they were using. 
And they actually filed a patent for it. I don't know if you guys have oh, read wow. that patent. But, I did not. Uh, it's okay. interesting. Okay. Basically, you have to prepare the Arushi, or prepare the Ebonite to, to um, uh, stick well to the Ebonite. Right, so it and, binds well with it. Yeah, I'm not at, at least stick long enough that no, m m maybe somebody will be dead before it falls off. Um, <laughs> we, 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 we don't know. And right. it seems to stick pretty well. But that, that was always recognized as a problem. I mean, ebonite itself is a little bit unstable. I mean, it, it off-gasses and, you know, uh, it, 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 it differs batch to batch. So um, there's a, I know at Namiki today, mm -hmm. not every pen blank can be turned into a finished pen. Interesting. Okay. So even so, when they th go through the uh, final process, it's still some of them doesn't meet the quality controls. Yeah, so they might get a you know, who knows, a thousand emperor, you know, pen blanks, and uh, maybe some have some kind of defect or don't take the the substrate preparation process well. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not. I don't work there, but I, right. I, I've heard from a guy that. You know, there's some rejection rate of the the raw material. Mm -hmm. Now, the, of course, if you're just looking at Namiki, they're also doing Arushi on brass. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that's more stable. I mean, certainly the there's artifacts of, of brass and bronze. Um, but will it will Arushi stick to it long term? Question mark. We 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 just don't know. Okay. Right. So. Uh, I think the techniques are pretty good. I mean, they haven't fallen off in at least a couple of generations. So I hope that they stick, you know, that it sticks to my pens. And <laughs> my, um, my, my daughter or her children can, can sell my pens and still be in good condition. Uh, great grandpa's pens. <laughs> yeah. So what, what are these weird things, right? <laughs> so anyway, it, it absolutely makes a huge difference. And uh, manufacturers have thought about this, uh, you know, from the very beginning. Okay. What, because um, there's so many different techniques. So uh, my first time actually seeing a, a bunch of Arushi pens was at the CA Pen Show last month. Other than that, I've only seen Frank's. Um, there's just so many different techniques that I that you get to see on display. Like, can you describe some of those different techniques and which ones you like over other ones? Yeah. So the basic technique of, of, of Arushi lacquering, and that might actually be using the same word twice, Arushi <laughs> and lacquer. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, it's kind of the common lexicon, but you can just take a object like a pen and, and, coat it. Um, it's not as simple as that, but just coat it in like a one color mm -hmm. and, and you're done. Or you can do a technique like Tamanuri where you've, your last layers are sort of transparent or translucent. Mm -hmm. So you've taken a solid color and then made it a little, give it a little more depth. After that, you know, there's some textures you can use, but now you're starting to get into the so-called makie, which is basically putting stuff in a rushi. 
Mm. And a lot, a lot of that stuff in particular for Machier is our, uh, metal particles. So sometimes we say powders, but you know, some of the particles are actually quite large and some are very, very small and fine. And that's a whole nother deal. Like the, the art artists who make those, those particles. Anyway, those combined with different colored Arushi and different layering and a lot of polishing, you know, uh, especially a maquillage artist, but uh, Arushi as well. But they are lacquerers, absolutely. But maybe what they are mostly are uh, polishers. And what I mean by that, you know, just sort of sanding <laughs> the surface. It's is a very, very tricky. It's a lot of uh, yeah. sending from what I saw a lot of the Urushi uh, pan makings. It's like yeah, 12 layers, very, very if I recall correctly, for just the normal ones. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. So, yeah. you know, it depends on the color and the technique and your desired appearance, right? And maybe even the substrate. Yeah. But probably you'll have some base layers of Urushi and it's all built up. So, like, good work. I don't know, just a base, like a basic color, like black. Um, I don't know. Let's just take a guess. Three, yeah, three to 12 layers to get like a black pen in a Rushi mm -hmm. with a lot of polishing. And you should actually be impressed at the perfect black pen or the perfect red pen, especially a black one because they're, it's very, very shiny. And so think about that. You've painted something by hand with a natural product and it ends up looking perfect. No inclusions, no defects. It's been uh, many layers, let's say 12, you know, question mark. Each one that has cured in a humid box <laughs> in a different <laughs> time of the year in, in a person's house who isn't air conditioned. You know, this is, um, when, when, when I, I like these and, um, these ones that are uh, black that are uh, just perfect. I have a Danny trio that's just perfect. I know that wasn't easy, <laughs> right? <laughs> so um, my, on Machier stuff, it's built up with the designs and it looks fancy and there's lots of gold powders and Uzi Watts and it looks very shiny and fancy. There's places for defects to hide. Hmm. So you can, if there's something wrong, you can always put some, some flakes in something to hide it and obscure it. You could do that, or you could even scrape it off, mm. you know, before it cures and sort of start again. But some other techniques like uh, chinken with the incised or uh, Chiseled, of, basically. Yeah, chiseled. You cannot make a mistake. Mm. And I, I love chinken pens. So anyway, I'm not sure I totally answered the question, but you know, it, the complexity rises very quickly. And if you're doing a pen, like, I don't know, uh, what's a, a standard, a standard would be the Namiki Emperor Goldfish. So that's the highest level of Machier. It's a big pen, there's lots going on, uh, different colors, different powders, different textures, Urushi that's raised, Urushi that's polished flat, blah, you know, it's like kind of endless. <laughs> it, it's them throwing the Urushi book at a pen. I, I have to like look this up just to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very oh, yes. yeah, yeah. 
yeah, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> so yeah, um, these days I do appreciate the more plain ones, but honestly, those tend to be a little bit less expensive than something that's like many layers of uh, in different colors of, of, of maquillage that tends to be more involved labor. So it's more expensive. Mm. So I began, you know, with more quote unquote simple finishes, but these days, I have quite a bit of those, so I'm really kind of going for the full-on maquillage pens these days, but not not exclusively. I recently bought a Dating Trio Genkai, the really big one, and I bought it for the perfection of its finish. It's sort of this burnt orange. It's, you know, flaws would absolutely nowhere to hide on this gigantor pen. <laughs> as, so as they say, like, in the simplicity, basically. Yeah, that's right. And there's something to be said about, like, going back to the basics, getting the basics perfected is like damn hard. Yeah, absolutely. So you can't make a good maquillage pen unless the base layers are perfect. And there are people who specialize in that, that only do base work, mm. so-called foundational work. They, they'll never do a maquillage. They'll never get the credit. Um, so it's just because they're so good at putting on the base layers every single time. Yeah, so it differs regionally, but take a, a famous area, Wajima, for example. That's very highly, um, the jobs there are very highly specialized, mm -hmm. or they tend to be. So there'll, there'll be a house, so-called house or you know group that does uh, an Arushi and Maki item. You know, there'll be the guy who does the woodwork. There'll be the guy who prepares the wood for the Arushi. There'll be guy, the guy who does the foundational Arushi layers. There'll be the guy who does etc and then the guy who does the the maquillage that the gold powders on tops gets to sign his name maybe maybe not so much a wajima but you know what i'm saying is the the guy who did the, the the shiny stuff or gal couldn't have looked good unless the base stuff was good and that's, that's cool. what you could that's what you can learn to see as you begin to appreciate the art more and as you um you know this is a big word but you learn to be a connoisseur. You, you learn to see see past some of the flash, <laughs> right? And distinguish the work, good work from okay work. Because you're noticing all of the supporting people that don't put their name because they're the ones who did all of the maquillage work. It's all, it's all there in front of you on the pen. You just have to learn how to see it. That's really cool. And that's just experience. Then you have to experience good work. Um, it's, it's difficult. I mean, these things are few and far between. There aren't many pen <laughs> stores, but you know, there's a lot more pen shows now. Yeah. I'll say there's one. You pretty much hear from the podcast is one about once every two weeks, once every week. So there's a lot more going on. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I think it's good. I you know that's a huge part of the American pen scene right now is pen shows. So, so. if you're um. So, you know, I'll, I can use myself as an example, but there's other listeners I'm sure out there that, you know, they they like fountain pens, they like going to pen shows, but, you know, getting your first Arushi pen, you know, they're they're pretty expensive. Like even for pens, they're they're another tier more expensive than your standard fountain pen, right? So uh, because you have so much experience in this area, like what would you recommend a newbie that wants to get started in a Arushi pen collection? 
Yeah. Well, I kind of have some advice on that based on price. Mm -hmm. And um, first thing I would say is stick to a modern pen. Mm. I don't actively chase down vintage Arushi <laughs> and Machier pens. For, first off, they're, they're crazy rare here in the States, especially. Mm. They're rare overall. They're, they're crazy rare here. And they tend to be disproportionately expensive. And I think you have to evaluate each pen in the era that it was produced. So you can say, well, this is a good work for that time. Because I think some of the work that's being produced today is it's superlative. But you know, we've had 80, 90 years to figure out how to put Arushi on pens, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? It's right. not it's not easy. An artist would much rather do a tea caddy than a pen. <laughs> you get so much more surface area. So much, and yeah. It much easier anyway, to so, yeah. <laughs> so I think one of the, a cool place to start right now for somebody would be this new brand called Tianzi, T-I-A-N-Z-I. Um, they have a couple of models. The Arushi Maki looks pretty good. And at least the one that I got is a fantastic rider. Like, no joke, like legit writer. I mean, I write with all my pens. I carry all my pens. I might go to work with two Namiki Emperors and, uh, you know, a Danny Trio and a, and, a, and a Sailor and like a Tianzi, like, because it writes well. <laughs> and it still looks cool. Okay, so Tianzi, they're on Etsy as far as I can see, and it's $300, do I have that right? Yeah. Wow. It's from China. That's, it's, you know, yeah, but it's, it's, it, it's, it, it's relatively decent work. It, it yeah. stands for, oh, wow. Okay. Tianzi Shan. It means the, uh, the mountain of child of God, basically. Well, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the translation Tianzi Shan. And also Tianzi okay. also means emperor sometimes. So, <laughs> Okay. Well, that's cool. But yeah, that's a, that is a place to start. I got mine from Kirk Spear. Um, so uh, at a pen show, actually. So he may still be retailing them. So th then, then like to, to, to ladder up from there, sort of what's next. Um, mm -hmm. I'd look at the Namiki Nippon art collection. So it's on a Yukari size pen. There's a little bit of handwork, but mostly it's, uh, I mean, maybe silk screen or some other reproductive technique of Arushi slash Machie. They look good. They have historical themes and it, it's basically an Amiki Yukari. It's a really good writer. <laughs> okay. And there are also pilot models in that exact same pen that will have a pilot branded nib and a pilot mm -hmm. branded clip. Like I have a, a pilot Seirei Neri, which is a, um, a Machia technique uh, looks like uh, dragonfly wings. It's a Yukari size pen. Uh, I got it in, in Tokyo at the Atoya store. And the person there who tuned it for me, I mean, it's magnifique, right? <laughs> so uh, the, there's, so there's this mid hundreds range. Like sometimes you can get these Nippon art pens on sale for like, I've seen them as low as 350. Oh wow! Oh wow! The, okay. But pre, the pre uh, pre 
COVID, post-COVID inflation. So what they are now, I don't know, but you can find them on discount or you could find them used for a relatively good price. Okay. Uh, then you go into like the pilot custom, uh, but also a big shout out here in the sub $1,000 category is the Platinum Izumo. Really good pens. And a lot of the um, size, can I say size queen on your podcast? Uh, <laughs> size queens will, will say that, oh, that Izumo, great pen. Fabulous Arushi and the Make, ooh, nice. But the nib is so small. <laughs> who who cares? It's you know, it's it's into the design of the pen, it's the way it all fits together. The nib is a good writer, it's platinum. This that I think the size beautiful. of the the size of the nib is uh, <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> um but so anyway, I uh, cannot recommend the platinum Azumo under a thousand. Uh, enough and you also can still find nakaya around that price range and so now you're looking at uh, maybe even getting a custom pen and for that i recommend ordering directly from japan because of the nib customization experience they're they're really really good at it and others who sell them are not so good at it <laughs> interesting um, i know in the sub 1000 category, you've given us a lot of options. Um, I'm just looking at the platinum Izumo right now, and that looks beautiful. And that's just on the photos. Yeah, um, yeah. they're really, they're really great pens, solid pens. Um, they also do some Arushi and Make on 3776 size pens, but mm -hmm. those weren't really ever brought that brought to the States very much. Mm -hmm. They figured Americans like bigger pens, which is the, one of the reasons why the Izumo exists. Mm hmm. So some of the designs are recapitulated on the 3776 size pen, but they're not really. It's th that's our view because we never saw the originals <laughs> on that size pen, right? And and now we're like some people are discovering them. And I I'm kind of sticking to major manufacturers here. I'm not mm -hmm. sure TNZ is a major manufacturer, but they're so inexpensive I had to to put it up. Right. Um and then you kind of get into to uh, Tasha Stylo Art uh, Lower and Namiki, Danny Trios, Sailors. Um, the, you know, the Mercedes, you know, S class of 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 pens, of Arushi pens is Namiki. Mm -hmm. They're the leader. They're the top no dog question in this of, category. They are the top dog. Um, I should probably have more of them in my collection, but I have <laughs> more. I, I like I have more Danny Trio, for example, than Namiki. Mm. Um, and then there are custom makers as well that are, are getting pretty good. You know, um, we have Arushi Studio India. Those guys are a lot of fun. Uh, a guy in Europe called Penteo. There's Tom and Neri Studio. Nihao. Um, and then it's people who do custom work uh, on your pen of choice, like mm. uh, District Arushi. Um, in Japan, there's Pokemondo. Uh, she's actually a very interesting case. Uh, everyone gets... Uh, Naker um, shell rod in from her. Um, <laughs> it's not her home style. I have I have a couple pens from her, uh, but her uh, the best one I have from her is in her home style of uh, Tsugaru Neri. It's really fantastic. It's far better than her uh, rod in pen. But what kind of technique is that? Uh, the one that I got, it's just sort of modeled. Um, it's uh, regionally specific. 
and um, uh, it's uh, uh, kind of different colored with different layers and then more or less like s sanded flat. So it has this, mm. I don't know, modeled appearance. That's actually her home style. And one of the, you might find it interesting, one of the first stuff that she worked on as an independent artist was uh, uh, scabbards. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. And she does a really good Ishime as well, the stone finish. Mm -hmm. um, so, but you know, she's very, very good at the, the inlaid shell stuff. I just think she's better at the other stuff. <laughs> um, so she's great. Um, and then there's some others, but uh, you know, in the, the thing about Namiki is you can go from the Nippon art collection for hundreds or tens of thousands. <laughs> there's everything in between. Uh, Danny Trio, uh, there's it, that that shifts another decimal point. Almo, not qu not quite another decimal point. It shifts uh, another digit. So they're in like the thousand plus to thirty, forty, fifty thousand. And wow. in Namiki, in in there's no modern Namiki in that category. So uh, Namiki is you would call them top dog, but they're priced. Uh, a little lower than Danny Trio. Not necessarily. Um, hmm. The top work by Danny Trio on their biggest pens is probably more involved and probably more artistically worthy than the top work on a standard Namiki Emperor. Okay. Not, not that that's bad at all. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the recent one I got what was it the elephant. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, but you know when you spend double you get double <laughs> <laughs> so you, you so you're saying that like Danny Trio tends to do a little bit more stuff into their pens they add a little bit more things to their pens on the real expensive pens on the real expensive comparison pens. to Namiki. So if anyone is out there is wondering, eh, that was Namiki Emperor, they're okay, but where can I go from there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's vintage Namiki Dunhill, which can be insane price, like, like a lot. That's the first time um, I've heard of it, but, um, when you say vintage, do you mean like they stop doing that line nowadays or, uh, there've been some. Namiki Dunhill collaborations in the modern era, but I'm talking about, you know, the 1930s. Okay. Uh, kind of the heyday of that with, you know, the guy who was spearheading that for Namiki was, you know, a uh, uh, living national treasure <laughs> level uh, artist, right? So mm. um those those pens were amazing but like i said earlier they need to be evaluated in their context they are amazing but i think some of the artwork being done on pens today is equally as good if not better but again there's been decades of learning how to do that on pens <laughs> right you know the the people who pioneered this uh doing that work on a on an uncomfortable object <laughs> for an artist <laughs> uh, small cylindrical <laughs> it's really good you know it's amazing and they can those some of those pens can go in the hundreds of thousands so i got off track a little bit but danny what i meant to say is danny trio doesn't really do anything under a thousand but namiki does 
Right. Um, and so Danny Trio has sort of their line of value. That's hard to say. Value or affordable. <laughs> but uh, but they go they go higher than just about anybody else in the market. Right. Their entry um, level is is a bit is higher. Expensive. Yeah. And their top end is a little higher. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of uh, 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 someone who does a little bit bigger spread is AP Limited. If you've heard of them, mm. um, you can get into them for under a thousand probably, and then easily get into, you know, between ten and twenty. So AP Limited um, has a big range as well. I, I didn't quite mention them here, um, and because they're not a Japanese company but that okay it almost that almost doesn't matter i was trying to kind of stick to the recommendations to you know people with distributors and warranties and um and, more buy friendly uh, good riding right. yeah it, i mean yeah you can come across it a lot easier so you mentioned earlier uh you know past a certain price range that you would just order directly from japan uh, i'm guessing you're talking about like a custom made pen right um how What's the ballpark range of that cost and time frame? Ballpark for uh, a custom-made pen? Yeah. Um, I don't think you can get into a custom Machie pen for a, certainly not from Japan, where hmm. you know you're paying for the experience and labor and um, uh, for under maybe fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes sense this is sort of sort of guessing and that you have to buy the pen first so yeah. <laughs> and and then send it and then send it to the artist and get in there get in their queue mm-hmm. um now i'm talking that's Machia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can uh bocamundo will do work that is um uh, less expensive but also it's a in most cases it's a little less involved than what I have in mind because of the pen that I just got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the lady who did that, she she worked at uh, Namiki. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, she's you know full on full on you know trained artist. So is so is her, her you know the lady of uh, Bocamondo, but she tends not to do the full out I don't know Machia stuff. You know, it's the the right end or her her home style, which is not simpler per se, but no, maybe less um, of her time is 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 needed mm-hmm. for the finishes that people ask her to do mostly. So, what would that be from her? I don't know. In the high hundreds, plus the pen. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you just look at some custom work, um, one person that does really good custom work is not Japanese. Is Morgan Wisser. Um, I don't know if you know him. He's a French guy. I've got several of his pens. He does a lot of really good. His his best work is in uh, Rankaku, the cracked eggshell stuff. Okay. And you know his maquille is really impressive for someone who is training himself, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 in some cases very good. Yeah. And by the way, you know you know it's a Japanese. The, the you know your fully apprenticed artists they love this stuff you know people mm-hmm. teaching themselves you know spreading the art trying you know 
Um, so I've heard some people say, well, it's not Japanese or this, that, and everything. <laughs> That's not what the Japanese say. They say, you know, okay, let's show, show me your work. Um, this is really good. This is maybe how you could improve it. Right. Anybody's uh, doing the work and spreading the art and, you know, working with a toxic substance to make <laughs> art, they, they love it, you know? And so I, I think we should you know, support those artists too. So I do as well. I try to, um, you know, spread the love and buy pens from these non-Japanese custom makers who are, you know, just doing their thing and uh, forging their own way in, in Arushi. And it's not, not always just Western. Like I have several pens from the Arushi studio, India. Mm -hmm. Those are, some of those are a lot of fun. I think, um, so our next question kind of ties into what you just said. So I just want to preface this. Um, so in, this is my mother's hobby. She's into teapots. <laughs> so cool. yeah so like for chinese teapots uh the one i recently hear because she i got dragged to the stores all the time the pottery are saying that for arts like potteries there are the techniques are actually slowly getting better which is similar to where you stated about Russia as people figure things out more and um for pottery as well they also figure out like more and more like pottery is a much older arts right but because of documentations and uh, the government sponsored, uh, so they have more money, more more better way to pass down knowledge. So it's actually slowly improving as well. But he also does state that there is a trend in pottery or um, teapots that is the works that requires much more time are getting made less because it's not it's less economical for them to do so. Um. Do you think something similar is going on for Urushis or um, you don't really see it uh, like the intricate in the intrinsic designs in pens? Well, uh, there's several factors at, at play here, right? right? If we just look at, if we just look at Urushi and Maki artists in Japan, you know, fully trained artists have gone to, you know, art school and learned Urushi there and then uh, then done an apprenticeship or come out of an apprenticeship. And, you know, this is like a real deal apprenticeship. I mean, it's not like six months. It could be 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it's like right? life's work, basically. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And I mean, when you're done with that, I'm like, you're an artist and you've been to competitions, you've won them. You know, there's there's layers upon layers of that, that learning. And I mean, who wants to do that? <laughs> right? That's... It's asking a lot of people, but it's not just that person. It's the guy who makes the brushes. Like they say that, that that's becoming more scarce. Some of the brushes mm. used in, in Maquillet, traditional work might be made from like the hair of a kitten or something. I mean, <laughs> some things aren't the, some of the, the materials aren't palatable anymore, you know, to make or sell. <laughs> so, uh, that's really that's really deep in the in the weeds, but you know I think for pens generally the artwork has gotten better. For other objects, there's probably still some really incredible stuff being produced, but and and at very high levels for I mean very well healed collectors and the, the Imperial Palace and things like that. But uh, I've what I've seen since I've started collecting is more and more 
fancy Maki pens. For example, Sailor entering the market. I mean, they do the battles pens, the the animals in moonlight, the kind of nature ones, um, and, and, and you know every color under the rainbow in the King of Pen, <laughs> um, and uh, that's all relatively recent. So that's uh-huh. just an example. But I, I think in the, there's a at least for now, there's a market in pens. Now, most of these will sit like if you don't if you don't jump on it right away, you could probably still get that limited edition X, Y, or Z. But um, they sell eventually. And uh, you know, yeah, a, a totally new entrant, Tasha. Well, this year, you know, they brought in a thirty seven hundred dollar chinkin pen. Oh, wow. It's amazing, by the way. <laughs> it's a, I, I love it. Um, and it has the King of Pen nib. It's a good writer. Um, I'm glad it doesn't have a clip, etc. But like a new entrant in that mar- in that in that market. I mean, that that's a that's a sign of health. And if you see the uh, the market marketing reports for the fountain pen industry, it's projecting growth for the next ten years. So. Part of that, maybe not a huge part, but I think a part that's getting more interest is, is pens. But you know, um, the, the very serious art collectors will lament, oh, the quality's not as good as what it used to be or whatever. Like, I just think it adapts to market conditions. You know, um, I can afford these now. A hundred years ago, I had to would have had to been a really high level bushy to even have one of these pens. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Or, you know, even more, if I was a rich merchant, I'd have the gaudiest, you know, pens, <laughs> you know, I'd, put, I'd, I'd have gold maquillet all over them, you know, <laughs> but like, and it, it would have been even more rare. Yeah. The, the good work would have survived there. So there's some selection bias. Okay. Um, on the other hand, you know, they, they say that the, the everyday lacquerware, the stuff you use in the kitchen isn't as good as what it used to be. And it probably isn't I, <laughs> because the foundational work has changed. They speed up the foundational work so that the lacquer itself doesn't last as long. Okay. Cause anyway, All right. um, the, there was one other question at, at least that we glossed over. I kind of want to return to, and it was, mm-hmm. Something about misconceptions about Arushi. Yeah, this, right. This is something I wanted to touch base on really uh, uh, quick because I think it's important. Some some people, most people, actually are allergic to the component that polymerizes that makes the lacquer. It's Arushiol, right? It's the same yeah. thing in poison oak, poison poison ivy. It it's what comes out of these trees that protects it from injury. Like it, it literally lacquers itself over <laughs> like a scab. And, um, it, it, it's an irritant to humans and animals <laughs> because it activates the immune system and exposure to Arushi. It takes some time to, for the reaction to happen. So it's not immediate because it has to recruit immune cells to the area. And then you get yourself attacking yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so right. you get this dermatitis, this, this immune response. And 
the way the immune system works is that it, an exposure sensitizes you to subsequent exposures. Mm -hmm. If our immune system didn't work that way, we wouldn't last very long. If we couldn't <laughs> mount a defense to an insult. <laughs> so anyway, people will say, oh, I'm really allergic. I can't touch it. Well, if it's fully cured, you know, you probably can. Caveat. Maybe you're super hypersensitized, and then maybe you can't. That even trace amounts you can't handle. Other people will say, well, if you just touch it enough and use it enough uh, or work with it, if you're a craftsman, then you'll get, you know, it won't bother you anymore. Well, that's not true. That's not how the immune system works. Unless uh, there's one paper from the uh, dermatology um, journal showing that if you give a little bit of Arushi orally, that can hyposensitize you. So it's kind of the same thing that done with like a peanut allergy. You give a little bit of peanuts, maybe that will hyposensitize people. Or iocane so, powder. Yeah, so it's only, it's only one paper. It's from like 1982. Uh, it's a very interesting paper to read, uh, particularly for the side effect. So Arushi goes in one end. Humans are shaped like a donut, a little bit longer. So we have another end. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the Arushi comes out irritating the other end. Oh boy. So that was the main side. <laughs> and it, it, look, if you've had an Arushi rash, it could be deeply unpleasant and settling. There are places I want that more than others. So this is actually something I didn't know. I mean, I knew that Arushi uh, in its base form is an irritant and a poison, um, but I guess maybe this is a misconception. Maybe you, uh, please uh, enlighten us. But do you? Is there any side effects of using your pens or touching your pens at all? For people who are very highly um, allergic, there can be uh, okay. contact dermatitis is the main thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're very highly sensitized and generally uh, have an uh, overactive immune system, that could lead to something worse. Okay. Um, and, and it, it, it can be a chemical weapon. So, well, you know, we're all wearing headphones right now. There's, I have a really cool set of headphones from Fostex that are Rushi lacquered, <laughs> but that's not a guy in a basement. Isn't doing that with a brush. Like that's mm -hmm. an, an industrial process. It's aerosolized, right? You know, maybe it's 10% of Rushi, but it's aerosolized. I guarantee you those guys are a hazmat to the nines <laughs> because you get a Rushi in your lungs and get like, swelling in your lungs, you will die. Mm -hmm. So um, though that industrial process must be very tightly controlled. <laughs> uh, so um, it, it can be generally safe, but for me, I'm highly sensitive, sensi sensitized to it. I mean, okay. when I was a kid, I was exposed to poison ivy. So I had a little bit of base level and I've done some Arushi work myself. Okay. Wow. And I got a, I got a Rushi on me and I thought, Ooh, I'm okay. Nothing happened. Well, I didn't wait long enough. I got a pretty bad reaction. Oh no. So now I'm even more sensitized. I'm not, and I'm not about to eat little bits of Arushi. <laughs> Some Arushi farmers will do this by the way, but anyway, I'm not going to do it. So I'm not going to type sensitize myself. <laughs> so I'm just careful. If I get a new pen and it smells like funky old gym socks, like the, the uncured Arushi smell is distinctive and unpleasant. Mm -hmm. If it smells even faintly of funky old gym socks, I may not touch it for a while. 
So how do I know that I'm still sensitive to it? And some pens, when they arrive, um, sailors kind of have a tendency to do this. Uh, and then some of the uh, craft makers, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. People try really hard to send out a product as soon as they can, as safely as they can. And that may mean there's still some unincorporated, some uh, uncured Arushi incorporated in the material. It's semi-porous Arushi. Mm -hmm. It looks smooth and hard, and it is very hard and brittle when it's finished and highly durable and resistant to whatever. But, you know, it's still in a process of curing for a while. And it takes water to cure. The enzyme that cures it and turns it in Arushi into polymer requires water. So it requires exposure to air. And a sailor will come in this sealed plastic bag. And I'll often open a sailor, and it's like... <laughs> Yuck. And if I if I don't notice right away and I clip it, I wear polo shirts a lot and I mm -hmm. clip it in against my skin, I will have a pen-shaped oh, no. spot of contact derma across my chest. Oh no. And I'm left-handed. So I may get there's particular spots on my fingers, you know, um, where I will get contact dermatitis. And the look, that's a little bit of suffering for your uh, yeah, for your art form. I mean, yeah. so I, 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 look, I don't want to overstate this. I, this is not, um, I, I, people shouldn't be scared in, unless they have a, sort of a known really bad Arushi uh, allergy. And I think some companies do it better than others. I think Namika is really good at sending out fully cured product. Mm. Um, uh, Nakaya, as far as, in my experience, I don't have many Nakayas, surprisingly. Um, but like, I've, I've never had one that smelled like funky old gym socks. So never had one that irritated me. Um, and not every sailor has. But sometimes, I just open that box, you know, that beautiful <laughs> Paulonia wood box. And I'll get that unmistakable wet Arushi smell. <laughs> and I might have to set it, just set it aside for a while. Let it air out. Yeah, a couple weeks, or uh, you know, put it in a you know in a humidor if you really want to speed it along. Some people say wash it with dish dish soap. Uh, that will remove what's on the surface, but if it really isn't cured, it's still rising. Uh, so the dish soap is a bit of a canard. Um, it could, could be uh, chasing your tail. You know, wash off the surface, rises up, wash. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sometimes I just put up with it. You know, like it's not that bad. A little I, redness I, and bumps on my skin. I did not know that it's that's a potential issue um, that you may not even know until you you get one and hold it, and then you discover later on. That that that's an unfortunate thing, and it'll take uh, forty eight to seventy two hours for the reaction to fully develop. Oh wow! So you know, I might ink up a pen, <laughs> and I, and then I'm I'm on you know I might get like five pens inked. And I'll use that pen, that new pen once, and I'll get it. And it won't show up until I'm already, I don't know, using a Mont Blanc or something. And it's so pen, right. <laughs> I have to figure out, well, which pen was it that did that to me? <laughs> okay, again, for listeners out there, this is not something to freak out about. Um, but uh, it's something that can happen. And I, it's the conversation I think needs to be had. On the flip side, Arushi itself is very beautiful and highly durable. Mm -hmm. So there's really no real reason, reason to baby these pens. 
they go with me everywhere. I mean, I, you know, for some of them, just kind of for the sheer expense and the fact that I wouldn't want the artwork chipped, uh, you know, I, I kind of have a nice pen case or whatever, mm -hmm. but like at work, they go in my pocket, they sit at my desk. Um, you know, I'll take them with me on vacation. I write in a journal. Um, so even when I'm not at work, I write. Do you uh, see so, any uh, scratches or abrasions by doing that at all? Uh, less than on an acrylic pen, for example. Wow. Most acrylics are quite soft. I did not expect that. Or, I, you know, I have sterling silver pens. Mm -hmm. Jeez. <laughs> Tarnish is one thing. <laughs> uh, a lot of those tend to be pretty thin. And silver so soft. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wearing a silver watch right now. Like, who thought that was like a dumb idea? <laughs> <laughs> you can't even change the strap, strap without like deeply gouging it. It's like oh. painful. And the pens aren't that much different, you know. Wow. So, John, just to... So, John, just to reiterate, like, should people actually be scared uh, of this, of these kinds of pens? Absolutely not. But because it has the potential to cause contact derma on some people and even perhaps most people, um, it's something to be aware of. But it's, it's something that I think is I brought up because it's brought up in disproportion to the risk. Mm hmm. So it's, it's, it's something that but, happens, but not, not too often. Not even, not, too serious. not even mostly. And once it fully cures, it won't ever happen again. <laughs> and, okay. and no manufacturer is knowingly going to send you a pen that will give you a rash. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So um, my, this is, I think, was someone brought up during the, uh, when we talk about paint shields. So I know a lot of shields, like certain shields is known for certain things. Um, do you personally know that, for example, if you want to get into Urushis, do you know if certain shields around, say, USA, per se, that is better for Urushi beginners? Like, where, where will they see the biggest collections possible? If you wish to get um, the ca the caveat here is I haven't been to all the shows. I've only really <laughs> ever been to a handful of pen shows. But you you need to go primarily to a, a pen show uh, that's bigger and on the coasts. Mm. Uh, I think because the uh, also from the attraction from uh, to from from Japan, the San Francisco pen show is probably a great place, and. You know, there aren't that many brick and mortar dealers anymore. Uh, Drum Ghouls being one of them, you know, my so-called hometown store. <laughs> they carry a lot of Arushi and Maki items. So they usually have a bunch of tables. So at the very least, you can see it from them because most of the other dealers are smaller. But it has to be a big enough show to attract the bigger dealers, people from Japan and or the distributors themselves. Like you want Pilot and Namiki to show up at the very least. Because they'll bring everything. Okay. And okay. and and let they'll you know you can touch it and take pictures <laughs> with it and 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 buy it even. So, uh, you know the other uh, distributors would have you know that which have a lot of product are Tasha, um, Krista, uh, and whoever is distributing platinum. I can't think right now, but uh, yeah, you kind of want to look at those shows. So you know. I can't say about the Arkansas pen show, but I don't think that Pilot Namiki is going to that one, for example. So basically check the larger, if the larger found the pen check. vendors are going. 
Yes. And I think you can see like who's going at, at the different shows um, before you go. All right. I mean, I think the Tokyo Pen Show would be awesome. That'd be really fun <laughs> to go to. <laughs> I'd imagine that'd be amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it on the list. <laughs> I have kind of a, I guess, like a super beginner level question, um, just because, you know, I'm, I'm very new to this, right? Uh, and you've talked a lot about like how Rushi, you know, it's poisonous in its base form, but when it's cured, it's totally fine. Uh, mostly totally fine. Um, wh what's the difference between an Arushi lacquer pen or just standard lacquer that could be used on a pen? Like, is there like a difference in color or like, what's that difference? Yeah, there's a lot of differences. I mean, for one thing, what you might call standard lacquer is not totally safe. I mean, that's nasty stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's also good when it's hardens or polymerizes. I mean, modern paints are not good for you. So mm -hmm. Arush is not alone in being somewhat poisonous. Um, but, you know, it's luster, it's durability, it's proven centuries of old um, potential to, to, to outlast and perform. Mm. Uh, it also changes over time, which is really, um, you know, an aesthetic that you can get into. That's one reason people like the Tominary pens a lot. Um, they may, um, surface layers may get clearer over time and maybe in an, in an uneven way. So the finish can change in, in your lifetime. Oh, wow. Um, and a lot of modern materials are designed to never change. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not part of the deal. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and the color options in Arushi are much less. So you have to get used to the aesthetics. You can get, I mean, black is easy. Um, red, various shades of red, pretty well understood. Although it can vary from batch to batch. Black variants less so. But your other colors are super hard. So like, you need to learn to appreciate that. A blue Arushi pen, especially if it's being serial, serially produced, like the blue ones that Sailor's doing, that all look pretty much the same. Like blue Arushi's hard. Mm -hmm. If you don't cure that just right, it comes out looking super dark, almost black. <laughs> Green is the same. White Arushi is even worse. There is no true white Arushi because even the purest Arushi has an amber tint. So you see a taupe or a white Arushi and it's done well, be impressed. Mm. It's hard to get that cured up nice and hard and color consistent. So the blacks and reds are your standards. Everything else is fancy. Mm. <laughs> I remember the uh, Nakaya making a very big deal about having their sky color blue uh, pants yeah. on some of them. So. Absolutely. Yeah. That bright blue, that must've been very difficult. Um, one of the first companies that brought out a bunch of colors was Danny Trio. So. Okay. They had, uh, I have a pink one from them. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So I think we are reaching toward the end of our podcast for today. Um, so I guess the, uh, it's like uh, asking to pick your favorite child, right? Um, so, John, can you please let us know of all your collections? What are some of your favorite pens? I wrote a list. Unfortunately, it's, too large of a list. <laughs> is, it, is the list like a hundred of them? Uh, yeah, the list is all, yeah, it's, it's all the pens. 
uh, let me throw out a couple of, of at this point, the collection is, has a size that I can throw out themes. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, the main theme that I like are dragons. Mm. Uh, second is goldfish. So, you know, in, in goldfish, the Kingyo, I have, um, I have the, you know, the Namiki emperor, uh, the style art, uh, Danny trio and a Narushi studio, India, and, uh, and, uh, and, and actually a novelty pen, a uh, jumbo that has uh, some screen printed stuff like from the 1940s or fifties. It's just, <laughs> it's cool. Cause it's so big and weird, but, and then in the, in the dragons, boy, I've got a bunch of dragon pens, like a lot, um, a lot of dragon pens, but the, probably the coolest one is the chinken dragon from Namiki. Okay. It's unbelievable. I will need to and, check that out. Yeah. And look again, I write with all these pens. They have to perform. Yeah. It's functional art. So, uh, I like, uh, you know, big nibs. I just, uh, you know, the Japanese pens, I get broth. I get the biggest nibs I can get, <laughs> uh, you know, on, on the stylo art pens, I get a, uh, uh, pilot chosu or coarse nib, the big fat one, like double broad oh, wow. ground to a, uh, kind of a Naginata, like by, by Nagahara son. Um, he calls it endpoint. Um, that I love that. I'll just love that. But you know, um, you know, I got a, um, seagull slash eat king, uh, cobra nib, just recently a custom nib that I've got on a pen tail, Arushi pen. Um, and then, you know, for non, non Japanese pens, probably one of my most favorite and fun writers right now is a, uh, Pelican majesty with a triple broad. Okay. And I got a super cool engraved pen from a guy in, in, in Europe called Abel snail. So check him out on Instagram. Um, Abel snail. really good engraving. Yeah. It's an ebonite pen with a, a hand engraved brass barrel, but it's the size the shape, the nib tuning. It's a fantastic pen. Oh, that, that engraving looks so cool. Yeah. Abel snail. He's, he's really doing really good work. Uh, as soon as he gets the, I don't, I think he needs some sort of certification from the government or something to do precious metal. But as soon as he gets that and does one in silver, I'll be getting another one. <laughs> There's really, really a great pen. Oh, interesting. I didn't know you need certification to do that. Like, I don't know. It's his government. I think it's Poland. I'm not, Oh, okay. I should, I should, I should know, but it's like 1130 my time. And, <laughs> um, uh, anyway, he needs to, to maybe it's, maybe he can work on it, but maybe he can't sell it with like with a jeweler's license or something. I have no idea. Okay, I have to ask him. But I know he's working on it. So yeah, yeah. All right, um, John. This marks the uh, end of our today's podcast, and I would like to first of all thank you very much for joining us for today, and to share your knowledge with us. Well, you know, I'm I'm really happy to be able to do it and contribute something. I you know I think. You guys are one of the few pen podcasts, so I appreciate uh, what you guys are bringing to the pen community. Yeah, I've seriously I've learned so much just listening to you like talk about something that you just love so much. Yeah, I do. I love this. I love this stuff. Maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most surprising fact I found today was that you have such enthusiasm 
for the pen even though you are personally allergic to it because I have allergies to certain things and that would definitely be my my driving factor to maybe not enjoy it as much. But I, I <laughs> yeah. guess but like I, like I try to say, 99.999% of the time is totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yep, so... Look, I, I, anyway, appreciate you guys and uh, hope you have a, a good uh, rest of your evening and uh, look forward to having the podcast come out. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you know when it comes out. And uh, thank you for hanging out with us until, well, this late of your time. And uh, <laughs> I'll see you uh, maybe in the future then. Yeah. Yeah, right on. You guys take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.